The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders, taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello. And welcome to episode 344. I hope that wherever you are today, you're doing very well. Uh, But if you are struggling with OCD or anxiety, then you can get a free session with me to get that. You can head over to my website, robertjamescoaching.com. And there you can book in for that free session directly. Or if you prefer, you can send me a message and uh, let me know about what you're struggling with. Now, In today's podcast, I speak with author and business thought leader Nick Johnson. Nick is an expert in mental health, resilience, and the impact of loneliness in sports. Uh, He has a best selling book um, called Executive Loneliness. And uh, yeah, is, is, a, is a speaker and somebody who's very engaging and very passionate, as you'll hear in the podcast as we go through, about mental health and about really trying to help people to speak up more about mental health. And in this podcast, he shares lots of, uh, lots of tips from his own experiences of dealing with, uh, with alcohol and with anxiety. And it's a very kind of practical podcast. It's really him sharing a lot of the things that he's learned uh, from his own his own story with anxiety, uh, you know, with you today to kind of help you to, uh, you know, to hopefully not not make some of the same mistakes that he's made, you know, but but also he he really brings a real sense of kind of kindness and compassion you know to dealing with mental health issues and you know to really kind of speaking up about it and so you know I I think you're going to find it's a really uh, interesting conversation he's clearly somebody with a lot of experience in this area so uh, I very much hope that you enjoy and if you'd like to check out his book Executive Loneliness uh, you can find that uh, on uh, Amazon and uh, if you'd like to find out more about him you can find him uh, on um, LinkedIn under Nick Johnson. So many thanks guys and I really hope that you enjoy. Please don't forget if you would like to support the podcast you can uh, sign up for Patreon. There's a link in the show notes and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram you can by uh, searching for at Robert James Coaching UK. So many thanks and off we go. Hi Nick, hey. welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Rob. It's great to it's great to have you on. Um, you're all the way over there in uh, in Singapore, um, so it's fantastic with this technology to be able to to have this conversation with you. Um, so to start off with, would you mind uh, telling us a, a little bit about yourself, please? Yes, sure. It'd be my pleasure. Um, so I was born in Sweden, educated in Australia, and then I lived and worked the last 20 years in Southeast Asia. So I worked 
in various um, roles in, in general management, working my way up to managing director in inter international firms and so on. So that's a little bit about my background. These days I left the corporate world and that's probably what we're going to dig into a little bit about today, Rob, as well. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so so what what kind of uh, made you want to to leave the corporate world? It sounds like you were doing you were doing quite well. Uh, you managed to climb that ladder, um, but obviously, you know, something caused this this change of path. Um, what what was it? Well, if I should put one word to it, it's probably the anxiety. But if I have to go a little bit more into the details about it, what happened was that my career was doing really well. And, and I, I was a, and still I am a high achiever. And, you know, I, I jumped from promotion to promotion, working my way up until one day I was let go. And uh, I was terminated from my job and I was basically not looking at myself i was blaming everyone else and and really full of anger about being terminated from this job and i struggled with uh, explaining to anyone else why i was terminated and and the stories i was sharing that you know that i was making a move making a career move to something else once i eventually got a new job all of this was forgotten about until 5 years later when I was let go from that company again. And that time it was a merger and acquisition. So having had then two times being let go from a company unexpected mm. was a big blow to my ego, but it really also filled me with anxiety. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes sense. And so, so what did you do then? And what did you do to try to, to manage that anxiety and that stress in, in these situations? Cause I imagine, you know, this is something that, that many people go through but it's it's really hard no yes and and the issue was that i didn't seek help i didn't seek any professional help there was no one i spoke with about this my way of dealing with it was perhaps a typical man trying to sort it out myself and i thought i put myself in this situation i have to solve it myself but the second time when it happened uh, it was really too hard for me to to deal with. So I was then married and I pushed my ex-wife away and asked her to basically move back to Sweden with our son, who was five years of age. Again, out of fear and anxiety about, you know, not being able to care for them. What about housing? What about school for our son and so on? So it was my defense mechanism kicking in in full gear, thinking that I should be here myself. I should deal with this myself and land a new job. So... Uh, then I found myself completely isolated. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. So, and that isolation, that that loneliness, I imagine it probably just exacerbates the the situation with the anxiety. No, it's probably actually the last thing that that you needed. Yes, absolutely. And I managed to get a new job and a very good job, a bigger job, perhaps too big for me at that stage. I was, I was not in, in, in my best shape and I had a lot of worries. So coming into this new job, then I remember I felt like I was walking on eggshells uh, the first three months on probation, you know, always worried. Will they pull the plug? Will I pass the probation and so on? And yeah, I was just terrified. Once I passed the probation, I still had was full of fear until about a year into the job where I thought it's better that I ter terminate myself and re resign from this job than having, you know, a third time being terminated for a job. 
And that again was something that I didn't discuss with anybody. I didn't talk to a coach. I didn't even go into my boss who was my good friend and we had a great relationship. We we're hanging out together, talking uh, and having good times together. But I didn't even raise it to her. I didn't say I have concerns about some part of the job, which I'm worried about. Mm. And when I resigned, it was a shock to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so yeah, that's uh, obviously a really concerning place to be, you know, that you're in a good job, you've got a good boss, um, you know, probably financially doing really well, and, and, you know, things are going well, but you feel this pressure. Um, you know, what if the same thing happens again? Surely, it's better if I take take it into my own hands and just walk away from this job. Um, okay, so I imagine after that, you probably felt uh, pretty lost, no? I, I was lost. I didn't know what was home and anything at all. So here I was, I've kicked away my family, resigned from my job. And uh, yeah, I jumped from contract to contract, trying to land something, uh, being a bit delusional about things. And this led me to a personal crisis and a crash. Uh, until then, I was managing my diet and exercise really well. I lost all of those habits and exchanged, uh, you know, my working routine for uh, the bar after work you know, or after whatever contract I was working on, spending too much time in the bar and then changing a healthy diet to fast food and pizza. So I gained a lot of weight, putting on about 30 kilos. And it was a slippery slope. I didn't realize it myself. But two, three years later, I, I had a even an alcohol addiction problem. And, and, and that was when basically I hit my own rock bottom. Mm, wow. Okay. So this is where, this is where it leads to, you know, if it's not dealt with, you don't get the right support perhaps, and you start using uh, unhealthy, unhelpful coping mechanisms, uh, alcohol and, and unhealthy food. Okay. And so, so before that though, you did have healthy habits know that were supporting you like exercise and, and, and things. Um, okay. And so, so once you reach that point of kind of, uh, rock bottom, your, your, your personal rock bottom, did you, did you then seek support? What was, what was the next steps after, after that? I was uh, at that stage covering for it to my best ability and again jumping from job to job and I had met a new woman who I'm today happily married with and it was only when I had so much pain internally that I couldn't hold it anymore. I, I then remember sitting her down on the sofa basically and explaining to her how I felt internally and that was the first time I explained that to another human being and she listened with empathy and it was almost like something was lifted from me from that moment when I just explained it, how I felt, uh, I have had a, fortunately a V-shaped recovery and it's five and a half years because she's listening and offering support. That was all I needed to hear. Of course, it was a very difficult journey back, but that was the, the big step forward that made all the difference. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. That's, um, that's amazing that you had somebody in your life know that was willing to to just sit down and to just to just listen and to, and to demonstrate that empathy um okay and so from that moment on things really began to change what was what was well, the I, first big change you think 
Yeah, well, I was exposed, right? And it, it is uncomfortable at that moment. But what happened then was that she dragged me to a doctor pretty much right away. And while I was shy to share again what had happened, she sh shared what I have told her. And uh, the doctor gave medication and, and, uh, and so on because I needed medication for stress, anxiety, sleeping pills and all kinds of things because I was in a terrible shape. Um, and then also... She also brought me to a friend who had had some problems before with alcohol. And this person listened also and shared phone numbers, linked me up with other people in the community. So within 24 hours, basically, I was exposed multiple times and I was uh, be, being the most vulnerable I ever been in my life. But what opened up then was a new life that I never seen before, a mm. life when you are more honest and you take an honest deep look at yourself and you're sharing mm. what's going on mm. and and therefore you know uh, i i had a, a good path back yeah fantastic fantastic so so actually you uh you were able to through that um open uh um space that you kind of entered where you know like you just said you were able to bring more honesty uh, you were able to be a bit more vulnerable um you know, and to share things with people that, you know, for a long time, you know, and I, I can relate to this as well, because it took me years to really kind of speak to people about my own struggles with OCD and anxiety. Um, yeah, you know, for a long time, I think men, we're just, we're just terrible at, at opening up. And so, yeah, it's fantastic that you were able to turn that around and actually, you know, um, seek out that support um granted you you had somebody to kind of help you with that and you know that's fantastic but obviously it also took you to kind of take that initial first step no and to to uh to kind of really uh get put yourself out there and say okay maybe i do need some some support with this um you know and actually it sounds like straight away you know, you, you recognize, well, I don't have to stay stuck. I don't have to keep doing things in the same old way. I do actually have options here. Um, so, so after, after the, all of this happened in such a short time, 24 hours of, you know, becoming more vulnerable, but seeing a new, a new path, a new life opening up, what happened then? Well, then I was told by everyone, you know, to keep going. And uh, I think the, the world of recovery is a beautiful space full of volunteers who are very passionate about giving back. I think uh, for anyone who's been at their rock bottom and, and managed to patch their life together, are quite, uh, you know, passionate about giving back. And if anyone uh, who's listening is wondering, you know, what is it with that recovery world? Well, uh, it is uh, many of times we talk about the 12 step program and the 12 step is always giving it back and you're stuck there, right? So it's a circle. It just goes back and people are giving back. So uh, it was just a great place to be. And it also made me feel normal. Uh, I, uh, I was no longer feeling that I'm the only one who gone through these issues and challenges here were successful people who gone through similar things three months ago six months ago or a year or 10 years and and, and that really made all the difference so i just kept coming back and i, I kept getting the support and uh, until about a year into my recovery i was feeling absolutely wonderful and then something happened that would change my life forever again 
I lost a, a good friend of mine um, in, uh, in, in Singapore, a guy from the UK uh, who, who sadly left, uh, left us by suicide. And that just really, really shook me up again. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that, uh, that's, that's awful. Um, okay. And how, how did that, um, impact you then personally? But I mean, obviously it's a really hard thing to go through for, for anybody, but yeah. What was the impact of that on you? Yeah. So until that moment, I have lived in my little safe bubble, basically with doctor, my wife, the recovery group who I shared basically what had happened to me. Mm. But on the external world, no one really knew. People could see that I lost weight. I was back in health and I was looking much better and happier. Mm. But I was not ready to share with the world what had happened. But being in the shock, basically, of what happened with my friend, I immediately... Uh, I wanted to uh, start helping and I called his brother and I asked if I could talk about this and trying to raise money or funds or awareness about suicide prevention and his immediate answer was uh, yes shouted out loud and basically I could I took that as my call to action so I started a fund and and uh, and, and a campaign basically to raise awareness about this. And mm-hmm. I made a video then that I posted on LinkedIn and it went viral. So in, in 24 hours, uh, radio stations, TV, and everyone wanted to interview me. They said, you know, this is a topic we want to talk about, but there's no one who dare or normally want to step forward and talk about it. So I was ready uh, in my shock state. And, you know, once you share your story on radio and TV, there's little turning back. So here I was for a second time completely exposed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, even more so this time, though, because uh, it wasn't just a small circle of people that you were opening up to. Like you say, you were telling your story on the news and, uh, you know, anybody could tune into that. Okay, but it's, uh, you know, it's it's turning something that was obviously a tragedy and and seeing, okay, well, what what can I do about this? You know, how can I, you know, try to help in this really sad situation? And actually, you know, it sounds like that's what you were able to do there by by taking that that action. Um, And so this has led you then uh, down the path of of kind of helping people who are struggling with, um, you know, with, with suicidal thoughts, perhaps, or with anxiety or depression, or can you tell me more about kind of what, what what's happened since? Yeah, so that opened up the whole world um, on um, not only recovery, but all, all of the people going through that. And there was people writing to me from all over the world, you know, thanking me for breaking the stigma and normalizing the conversation around this. It was people who have lost family members or a wife who lost a husband recently, you know, and it's just so much stigma that people just are not ready to talk about it. And and for every single interview I gave then, I got more and more confidence and more willingness to talk about it to the point where I had compiled so much news clippings from talking about this that people start to say you should write a book about this and first you know i thought it was it it sounded ridiculous but then as i went through it and i approached a publisher in australia who said yeah we've been looking for someone who's willing to write on this so it was just a good match again and that obviously made me double down on it again they had requirements in terms of surveys and research and so on and and i had to interview a lot of executives to find out about feelings and so on and that was really the next step of the journey and i spent uh, 
two years basically researching the topic and writing the book. Mm, okay. So so within your particular industry, um, are there there's a lot of a lot of men then who are who are silently struggling, do you think, with with mental health issues? Absolutely. And and, and yes, uh, I mean, having been then an expat in Southeast Asia for 20 years, many of the expats would be the senior leaders of the international firms representing an American or U- European company based then perhaps mm. in Singapore running as a as a regional office. And that yeah. many times means that they're responsible for 20 countries traveling a lot, a lot of working hours, working in multiple time zones and a lot of pressure to handle yeah. that. But it also creeps in a lot of loneliness. Mm. So those were the people I interviewed. And, and out of them, about 30, 33 percent uh, were suffering from loneliness during the time I wrote the book. Yeah, yeah. OK, OK. Yeah. So this is a real crisis. I mean, uh um, obviously, mental health issues can affect both men and and, and women, but um, there is, uh, I think, ma- male suicide is is something that is a, a real a real problem that often isn't really talked about uh, all all that much. Um, you know, so you know, it's it's really great that you were able to to bring more awareness uh, to it. Um, so. If if people are listening who are who are struggling with loneliness, maybe they are uh, an executive, or um, you know that they're, they're finding it hard uh, to to kind of manage their mental health. You know, what what kind of tips do you, do you have for them? Yeah, and and that's a very good question, Rob. Because as I started to give some talks, then and uh, when my book came out and so on, and and uh, as I was writing it. Uh, you know, people said it was great for you, Nick, that you came into a recovery program, you know, but what about us? If I don't have an alcohol problem, how should I get help? And that is exactly what was included in the book. I actually wrote five steps for anyone with the five steps that I would say would help anyone to to get out of it. May it be isolation, loneliness or stress in the workplace. And I'd be happy, Rob, to briefly talk you through those five steps. Absolutely. Uh, that yeah, that'd be great. Helping your listeners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the first step then, and this is what happens in the 12-step program, everyone will take stock. And if you look at yourself, you know, deeply inside and you can write it down on a piece of paper or a spreadsheet and do this with a sponsor, a mentor or a coach, and just to take a really honest inventory check of yourself. I mean, we do this as if we are a shop owner, we will take stock and do an audit. But how often as human beings do we take an honest stock take of ourselves? Mm, yeah yeah really not not enough not enough at all so yeah that's important to, to do that no yeah and and so as soon as we are capable of doing that and and what it meant for me and what i recommend is going back all the way to your childhood and writing down anything you might have said to uh, upset perhaps your sister or a classmate you had perhaps some things you carry around still with you some pain uh, and if, at this stage it's just to write it down we don't deal with it it's just getting it down on paper and I was encouraged even to bring out you know school photos from my high school university photos and think through looking at every single person and thinking did I say something to them and think through your family all the family members your close relatives and think do you have something unsaid is many of us perhaps who broken the relationship who didn't speak to a sister for a few years so there was something left and that all has to go on that sheet. Okay. And what's the what's the next step? 
the next step is on the next row to, to just write down at this stage who to ask for help for this. Uh, so in my case, for example, it was I was um, overweight. I started to drink alcohol too much and there was many issues. So on that next row, you just start to write down, you know, what would be the, the people you can ask for help here? Is it a coach, a mentor? And what can you do about it, basically? And so that's yeah. the second step. Okay. And what would be your third step after that? dealing with getting healthy first and and what i mean here is is specifically the physical help because if you have gone down the path of mentally being broken many times you brought with you also the physical health and what really worked for me and the people i've seen is, is you know getting back into fitness in my case it was getting help from someone who wrote a fitness plan for me uh, where some wearable devices we can track it just so you have a coach someone who can follow up with you and getting back in a in a physical shape uh, and uh, i call it in my book a natural happy pill because as i mentioned before i was getting medication and i'd really want to stop all medication and i my fitness coach then set me a plan and we basically started to increase the, the exercise and i was able to taper off the medication and i haven't touched any medication for five years now because of that oh wow yeah i, I really agree with uh you know with with fitness and and exercise being incredibly helpful you know it's it's an obvious one but so many of us you know don't necessarily uh, do it still and you know if you can consistently you know uh, exercise no matter what state you might be in obviously if you're if you haven't exercised for a long time you should do so carefully and maybe speak with a doctor uh, first but we know that exercise, you know, it's it's proven through through many many studies, you know, to be to be incredibly helpful uh, for for anxiety for for depression. Um, you know, I I feel it myself. I know we were talking at the start, you know, about we're both into to cycling, and uh, you know, if I go for a, a bike ride, I I feel you know within 10, 15 minutes you know, some of that stress is just relieving and I'm, you know, getting those endorphins flowing and my blood is flowing and it's, you know, maybe I take on a small downhill section and if I'm doing some downhill mountain biking, well, I'm sorry, but I can't be thinking about all the work I've got to do or that argument I've had or whatever it is. I've got to be in the moment. Otherwise, I'm going to crash my bike into a tree. And uh, yeah, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, outdoor sports, um, you know, even if it's just exercise, like running or something, but, but yeah, for me, if you can add in kind of a fun outdoor sport of some sort can really help just to focus the mind and, you know, to make you forget about certain difficult things. So yeah, I think we're really on the same page there uh, with that one. Yeah, and then the, the step four, which is a very tough one, perhaps the toughest one for everyone here, it is about nurturing healthy relationships. And mm. what I mean with that is making amends. And it's going back to that list where you wrote down the people you had harmed, the people you had said perhaps not so nice things to. It's about going back to one by one. And first you do this with a coach or a mentor or a sponsor where you just discuss what actions should you take for every single one. And you take an action of going back and making amends to them unless you would harm them. You don't want to go back to an 
ex-girlfriend who's remarried or ex-wife who's remarried 30 years later you know and then uh, start harming them or breaking the relationship that's not the point it's about you having closure on things it might be that you write an apology and an amend letter and maybe you pray on it but then you burn the letter you have had a ceremony you had some closure you can do that perhaps if there was someone who have uh, who you lost also who left this earth and you can write a letter to them also just to try to make some kind of closure. And what happened here in my case uh, was that I had something unsaid with my sister. It was an incident a couple of years earlier where she gave a Coca-Cola to my son, who was about five, four or five years of age. And he didn't drink Coke and I didn't want him to have one. Uh, damage was done, but I was really fired up. I stormed off the table. I grabbed my son and walked away and i remember my sister tried to call after sending messages saying she was sorry but i just didn't want uh, to, to talk to her at all and i couldn't deal with that and and then we we had a basically a broken relationship well we saw each other at family gatherings but we didn't really speak i didn't reach out more than on her birthday just uh, out of formality and that was something that was painful i walked around with that inside me that pain and then on this step, I had to make an amend and I, the best to do it is in person. So when I had a chance, I asked her if we could go for a lunch one day. She said yes. And at the lunch, I said, I, I'm sorry about the incident a, a few years ago. It was really silly of me. And uh, then I explained also what was happening with me at that time. And I said, I'm on a different path now. I'm working on becoming a better person. And I'm really sorry. And then uh, asking her if there's anything I can do to make things right. So that's just one example. And uh, I have over the last five, five and a half years, probably done around 100 of those uh, amends. And it's an amazing feeling for everyone you do. Mm, absolutely. I think that's a really, really great advice to to try to do those things and you know so often when when those kinds of situations are just going on um you know and and maybe there's several of them you know with with important people in your life um you know it, it creates this kind of quiet background anxiety where you know there's something that needs to be addressed but we're not doing it for whatever reason we're we're holding on to that grudge or you know whatever it is and you know we we uh in a way we need to focus on humility and 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 recognizing that okay um as much as anything going and having this conversation uh it is in the long run going to benefit me it's not just going to benefit that person it's not just kind of giving in and saying, well, you know, but it, it, it is actually going to to help you as well by having that conversation. It's going to be difficult, but in the long run, it's going to lead to much more inner peace and, and being able to let go, you know, of, of those long held resentments, which ultimately, unfortunately, they, they tend to lead to that background anxiety. So little by little, when you deal with those things, um, you know, and you stop avoiding them, you know, a big part of uh, OCD and anxiety really is is avoidance of uncomfortable emotions and difficult things that 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 you know that we don't want to experience. And you know, really not having those conversations with people, it's it's that in a nutshell. That's kind of part of that process. We're avoiding uh, a difficult thing, and it may be that isn't our particular obsession. 
you know maybe our particular obsession is about hand washing or uh maybe it's about all sorts of different themes that we have in ocd but actually just going and doing something difficult and having a conversation uh with somebody that you you actually do care about you do love deep down but you've fallen out with well that's a difficult thing and that's an awkward thing but actually it leads to you know you learning how to have a bit more humility to accept a bit more your your anxiety and to expose yourself to something difficult so yeah i can really see you know that that would be a really beneficial thing to to focus on yeah and it's all about cleaning up your side of the street when you're making a man you just focus on what you've done the issue is that we tend to be so uh, so self uh, should I say that we defend ourselves rather than uh, focusing on ourselves we focus on what they have done wrong mm. but that's not what we do here we just come back and clean our side of the street and it's up to them if they also have an amend and apology and mm. sometimes also they might not accept them and the apology and that's fine we cleaned our side of the street and we are free to move forward and what I do these days in my life, I end every day with this. I think through, before I go to bed, I think through, did I send an email today? Did I send a message? Did I say something to someone that wasn't quite right? Do I have some feeling inside me that it's not right? Then yeah. you have a chance before you go to bed to send away a message or a voice note or whatever it may be to just clear that amend up so you can go and have a good night's sleep uh, without worrying about that. So that's something that I try to do every day now. And even better, you should I, ideally catch yourself right away if you say something and take it back and make the amend on the spot. That's where we optimally will be looking for. Yeah, I love that. That's a really great idea. A great way to kind of go about things you now and you know, like you say, when you put your head on the pillow, you can kind of feel calm and, and happy that you've been doing the best you can to have those good relationships. So yeah, it's mm. great advice, I think. Um, okay. And um, did you say it was, uh, there's another step still? No? Yes, we're coming to the last step then. Many times that you hear books that this is the, perhaps the first step and it's about finding your purpose. But what I found, uh, and this is not only for me, but working with others now is that if you are not well physically, if you have a lot of anxiety because your relationships are, 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 are you know, damaged and so on, it's really hard to go deep inside yourself to find out what is it that is your purpose. So I have that as the last step and that is really about you know being ready to deflate your ego and see what are you really here for and it's not about us it's about what can we do for other people according to me hmm. okay okay fantastic so figuring out your your why and your values and uh you know and maybe trying to to set out your stall uh on how can i support other people in doing well and not not just uh focusing on on getting rid of my anxiety for example no yeah exactly so once we've done that clean up we are ready to really go a little bit deeper here and it's about giving back the gift then because there's so many people out there who are struggling with this so what i do now uh, on a daily basis i'm working with people who are going through difficult times and it doesn't have to be people who go through alcohol issues but also with anxiety and people losing jobs and so on and i'm 
these days the first one to raise my hand when i hear that someone has been laid off uh, uh, i reach out deliberately and i ask my colleagues also to reach out just to check in with the person and, and see you know if we can be of service or help at all many times they might just need someone to listen mm. yeah fantastic fantastic yeah it's really interesting work that that you're doing there um okay and so um from your from your experiences what would you say is kind of if you only had one piece of advice for people who might be really struggling with stress anxiety um what what would your um advice be well it would be to write it down and and that's what i do everywhere around my desk is full of post-it notes and whenever something comes up i write it down and then I, it's about thinking is there someone i can call about this right now otherwise leave the note there and and and, and uh, perhaps sleep on it and then the next day i deal with it so that's my system that's how i work these days i never let things lie around more than 24 hours then my desk would be full of all these notes but just think about it and use you know asking for help as your greatest strength that's my advice mm, yeah okay yeah i guess for you everything everything changed that day no when you actually opened up for the first time i think that's something really important for for the listeners hopefully to kind of take on board because i think so many of us and myself included i was the same for many years and it's such a shame um you know because you both of us could have done that much earlier no and it probably would have saved ourselves a lot of uh a lot of unnecessary uh, unnecessary suffering in the process yes absolutely but sometimes we have to get real sadly we have to get pained and we have to be at beaten in order to really learn the lesson you know we are even as adults we are like children in that sense we have to put the hand on the stove ourselves sadly yeah absolutely yeah unfortunately there is some <laughs> truth to that <laughs> um yeah. okay fantastic um, Nick, if people want to to find out more about you, your your book, um, do you want to tell us about your book? Yeah, sure. So uh, they can go to Amazon and look up Executive Loneliness. It's there as a Kindle and normal book and also as audio book yeah, um, by uh, Audible. So that would be one way of finding me. Otherwise, they can go on LinkedIn and it's Nick Johnson, N-I-C-K-J-O-N-S-S-O-N. Fantastic. Thank you uh, so much for your time. It's been uh, really great talking to you. Likewise, Rob. Hope to see you for a bike ride in Spain sometime. Absolutely, yeah. Come come over to Barcelona. We we'll jump on the mountain bike. I have a, uh, an electric one uh, these days, so uh, cheating a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I don't have so much time as I used to as we have a little baby. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Okay, thank you so much, Rob, and thanks to the listeners. Thank you. Just a quick reminder that if you want to get a free session, all you need to do to get that is to head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. And there you can leave me a message and we can arrange the uh, free session. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group or anywhere else online or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist or any other medical or mental health professional. 